Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Live in Conversation. I was going to record an episode yesterday, um, but I had a ton of stuff I had to work out, um, and a ton of stuff I had to do yesterday, very busy, running errands, a bunch of stuff, the whole nine, pretty much, so yeah, um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. In addition, I know I promised I would have my Substack article out with my endorsements yesterday, also was unable to do it. It's almost finished. I literally had just a couple more sentences to add to the end and some, you know, grammar to like proofread and everything. Um, but obviously, you know, the whole nine happened, had to do a bunch of stuff. And unfortunately, you know, things happen, unfortunately. Um, but I was a little bit bummed out that I was unable to, uh, you know, get that accomplished yesterday. So Substack article should be out today. I know it's been a little bit radio silent over there. Um, you know, because it does take me a while to, like, you know, come up with the concepts and a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, it partially comes easy to me once I have, you know, what I want to talk about. Because, actually, um, I, I've actually, like, ventured into, you know, like, journalistic styles of writing and whatnot. I mean, I haven't gone full journalist. Um, you know, maybe in the future I might, you know, be interested in doing that. I've always really liked journalism. You know, obviously the journalis- journalists of today do get a lot of scrutiny from the public. Um, but, you know, I've always liked, you know, like, longer format writing, you know, all that stuff. I've always personally liked it. Um, you know, some people, it's not really for them. But for me personally, I feel like once I have a topic down and once I... I, you know, can formulate what I want to write something about and around, I can do pretty good. You know, I I feel like I do pretty well um, with that sort of style, just, you know, coming up with ideas and also, you know, like the time it takes naturally to get it done is a little bit annoying, of course, especially when you're trying to, you know, get things out as quickly as possible while also not sacrificing, you know, the quality of it. (coughs) My goodness. Oh my goodness. I almost choked on my own spit. Oh my goodness. That was awful. I swear that happens to so many people, but you know, when you tell them, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. Um, it happens to me sometimes, you know, when I talk like really fast, it just does that sometimes, but you know, I can't help myself. Um, so yeah, but anyways, guys, um, today I wanted to, I guess, kind of go over a couple of things. Obviously I've been posting a bit on Twitter lately. Um, and a lot of people, not, not a lot of people, but you know, a couple people directly, you know, like reached out to me, people who, you know, I know personally more in particular, um, actually reached out to me personally. Um, and we're a little bit confused with a couple of things. So I kind of wanted to just clear the air on here, just in case anyone else in the general public is a bit confused with my decisions and what I've stated over the past couple of days. Um, so another, uh, well, obviously I'm running as a Democrat. I mean, it's, it's no secret. Everyone knows this at this point, I think. Um, but honestly, something that many people don't seem to understand is that I'm very anti-establishment. I'm anti-moderate, you know, cause I think moderates don't get the job done. They're practically do nothing. Um, which I actually wrote about in one of my previous Substack articles, um, you know, how they're pretty much do-nothing politicians. They're career politicians, and the only reason they, they, they run continuously for re-election is because they depend on that paycheck and they depend on the power they receive within that position, not to benefit the people that they, they um, represent. Um, you know, some people are good enough to actually represent the people that they are meant to be representing, but a lot of these do-nothing moderate career politicians, what they do is 
they don't really represent for the people they're meant to represent. They instead, you know, represent corporations and they represent whoever is the highest bidder. And, you know, I think honestly, that should personally, me personally, I think that should be illegal. Um, you know, because they're need, they're, I mean, we're, we're trying to get the Supreme Court to, you know, have a binding code of ethics, but we should also at the same time as that be enforcing a much stricter airtight code of ethics for Congress as a whole, both the Senate and the House of Representatives, we should be collectively telling them, you're not off the hook. We need to make sure that our government is not going behind our backs to do things that are going to harm us. We need to, do, we need to make sure that the people who are elected to represent us are actually representing us and not representing the top 1% and not representing corporations. So, you know, it kind of came as a shocker to a couple people in my personal circle um, when I basically posted the other day, and everyone knows that I've supported Marianne Williamson in her primary bid for the Democratic nomination. Um, But I mean, honestly, let's look at the facts or well, the inevitable, more like it. Um, The DNC is going to rig the primary. We all know it. Biden's going to become the nominee. There are, the DNC have already refused to host debates, which I think is honestly anti-democratic. You know, considering that, you know, this party is literally called the Democratic Party, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of contradicting the entire purpose of our party. And that kind of disgusts me to my core, um, because I feel like, honestly, the people who run the DNC and the Democratic Party do not truly represent what we want for the most part. You know, there are moderate Democrats out there. I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying that, you know, if we can afford war, we can afford uh, universal health care. If we can afford war, we can afford to make college free. If we can afford war, we can afford so many things that we desperately need and that we all know we need, that even people across the aisle know that we need. The issue is that, you know, we disagree so much on how we need to implement this, whereas some people are just extremists, you know, the people that want to just take down the entire Department of Education just because they think that their children are going to be hypnotized by a rainbow flag on a wall. I mean, I don't I don't think flags can hypnotize people. Last time I checked, you know, Um, I don't think that's really possible. But, you know, I mean, they, they try so hard to just spread their hatred Um and yeah, you know, I find that kind of disgusting in my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, back to the point, obviously I've supported Marianne in the primaries for Democrat. Um, but honestly, as I said before, the DNC is going to rig it. Biden's going to become the nominee. Um, so yeah. Now, because of that, a lot of people are thinking and a lot of people at first were trying to say that I would just turn around and support Biden for re-election, which... You know, if you looked at my previous endorsements, makes sense because, you know, I backed Bernie in 2020 and then I ended up backing Biden after Bernie lost the primary and Biden won the primary, thinking that, oh, maybe Biden actually is going to give us all the stuff he promised. He didn't, um, obviously, unfortunately, um, and and that honestly disgusts me because, you know, he like... When people are on a campaign trail, they should not be lying about what they're going to provide. They should be telling the truth of what they can guarantee they will provide. You know, anything else in addition to that 
can just be seen as a bonus. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I just feel like, you know, saying all these amazing things that in theory, if they were actually like put into effect, I feel like it would be great. You know, no more, no more student loan debt, cancel it all. That'd be phenomenal. But, you know, obviously the Supreme Court and Congress, more specifically the House, have blocked some of those things. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't know how I feel about all of this. And I think my power just went out. Um, huh. That's interesting. That's awful peculiar. <laughs> yeah, that's that's odd. Why did my LED lights just go out? Um, I don't know what just happened. That's fantastic. Um, I'm actually uh, not really... <laughs> I'm not in California currently at the moment. Um, I'm in New Jersey right now where I was born and raised. Yep, the power did trip. Oh, that's great. Hopefully it stays on. Um, <laughs> well, it went back on. <laughs> Good news, my, my lights are back on. And my Alexa is lighting up. Let's unplug you because I don't want you talking. Um, <laughs> A lot of chaotic things tend to happen um, when I try to record, you know, either it gets glitched out on the podcast thing and those random cuts end up happening, um, or, you know, just like now, the power just trips for no reason whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. Um, but anyways, back to what I was saying, um, you know, all of these things would be great in theory, and that's why I kind of fell for it. You know, I, I really did fall for it. Um, but now that we're, you know, almost at his point in time where his first term is almost up, now there's no way in, in hell that I believe that any of this is magically going to happen over the last year of his first term. And I, I don't have the faith that he would even do it in his second term. Um, and, you know, that's why in 2024, if even if he becomes the nominee for the Democratic Party, I am telling everyone right now, I refuse to endorse Joe Biden for re-election. As a Democrat, you know, that might come as a surprise to some people, but when you look at my background um, and who I've endorsed in the past, and even to this day, um, you know, it starts to make more sense. Um, so yeah, um, as a replacement for Biden, you know, in terms of who I'm going to endorse in the general election... I have made the decision to endorse Cornell West, Dr. Cornell West, who is an independent and former Green Party and former People's Party candidate for president in 2024. He is now running as an independent. Um, and yeah, I've, I have good faith that what his policies stand for and what his vision is for this country is exactly what we need. Um, now that he isn't the Green Party candidate anymore, I'm wondering who the Green Party is going to nominate. Me personally, I would love to see Jill Stein run for president again. That would be fantastic. I would love to see Jill Stein run. Um, that's the, honestly one of the only people other than Bernie. Jill Stein and Bernie are probably the two only two people that could possibly run for president that would make me revert my Cornell West endorsement. And that would take some really hard convincing. I would have to look at like all the policies, compare and contrast them and all that. But, um, you know, I would have to look deep into that one, but those are probably the only two people who can even have a slight chance. I'm just going to say, I mean, Jill Stein has more of a chance than Bernie does, 
but they both don't have like a hundred percent straight up chance of of stealing my endorsement if either run for president. But um, you know, obviously Bernie isn't running. He endorsed Biden, which is very weird, but whatever. And Jill, I'm not even sure. I mean, she really could just surprise us all, which I really want to see happen, honestly, because you know I really like Jill Stein. But um, you know, yeah, you know, Howie Hawkins, you know, not as much. But you know, he was okay, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, he was not. He was not as good as Jill Stein. I will say that. Um, but yeah, and then I made an official endorsement for a senator, or well, not a current senator but someone that is looking to become a senator in my home state of New Jersey. Well, not my home state. Well, I, if you, depends on what you, you determine a home state to be. If you determine it to be born and raised, then yeah, New Jersey. Um, but yeah, so in New Jersey, Christina Khalil, I believe former Democrat, but I, I'm pretty sure she used to be a Democrat, and current Green Party candidate for the U.S. Senate in New Jersey. Um, I endorsed her campaign. I think she's phenomenal. I think it is exactly what the state of New Jersey needs. Um, What we're seeing more and more is the Democrats' lack of action. And I'm not saying all of them. You know, there are a few of us more specifically those who are allianced with the Democratic Socialist of America, DSA. Um, You know, more so people alliance with the DSA, but also myself. I mean, I'm a Democrat. I'm not affiliated with the DSA. But I'm also fighting for something incredibly similar, if not almost identical, to the Green Party vision. And, you know, that's because I really believe in it. Everything that they have going is stuff that I think is, is just common sense, Um, and yeah, (laughs) um, so basically, I mean, I, I just think Christina Khalil is the best pick for, um, New Jersey to pick in the Senate race. Um, I believe the same Senate race where Bob Menendez, who, you know, I absolutely have always despised in my opinion, I've never supported Bob Menendez a a single day in my life, um, (laughs) never did, never will, um, I believe Andy Kim, I believe his name is, is running to primary him. But I mean, Democratic Party does not have a good uh, track record with primaries, to say the least. Um, Who knows? Maybe the Jersey Democrat Party will finally have a brain and allow a fair primary process to possibly get rid of Menendez. I would love to see that one happen, but I mean, regardless of who the Democratic nominee is, um, I would have to pick Christina Khalil because that's just who I believe in. That's who I think is the greatest pick for the state that I was born and raised in. Um, And while I am Californian now, I, I do believe that, you know, it's, it's just important, um, it's still important to me, is what I'm trying to say. It is still something that I hold near and dear to my heart. It is something that I see as important and crucial, in my opinion, that we start showing Democrats that they can't just take minimal or no action and expect to be constantly reelected. We need to show them that they are not the only ones on the left in this country. There's the Green Party, 
There is the, the Party for Socialism and Liberation. There's the regular Socialist Party. There's a ton of other parties that I probably don't even know about that are also left-wing in this country. And we need to show the Democrats that they're not the only left-wing party in this country, not even moderate left party in this country. We need to show them that enough is enough. We're tired of the games, and we will get progress achieved at record pace. And how we're going to do that is by getting not only progressive Democrats in office, like myself, but also getting people such people in the Green Party, such as Christina Khalil, and even independents who are left-wing, like Cornell West. We're going to get these people into office, and we're going to show the Democratic Party and the Republican Party that we will achieve progress at record pace, and we will not stop for anyone. We will not stop for anyone who tries to intentionally sabotage the well-being of the working-class citizens of this country, who have worked their rears off. I'm trying not to curse. Very, very hard. Trying really, really hard not to curse. Um, they have worked their rear ends off. They do not deserve to be attacked and trampled by our government. They do not deserve it. That is the last thing that they deserve. And it's time that we start electing people who will get progress achieved at record pace, who will make good progress, not negative progress or meaningless progress. The do-nothing establishment disguises their quote-unquote progress as, you know, progress. They just say progress. But what it really is, is minimal progress. If that. You know, sometimes it's, it's no progress at all. We're not doing anything. If anything, we might be going backwards. Um, but they still try to label that as progress when it really isn't. They're just using that basic word. Hold on a second. Okay. They're using that word. <laughs> They're using this seven-letter word to basically try to cheat their way to re-election, to endless re-election, if you really think about it. And we need to tell them that, you know, we're not going to stand for that anymore because we shouldn't have to stand for that anymore. You know, I think it's ridiculous that we ever stood for it in the first place. But, you know, now is the time more than ever that we can make these changes. We need to make these changes before it's too late and before the moderates really mess up our government and mess up our country beyond repair. We need change and we need it now more than ever. You know, we have people in this country, politicians in this country, who are challenging human rights. Uh, Rashida, Rashida Talib, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. If I'm pronouncing her name wrong, I am incredibly sorry. Um, I don't know. I make that mistake with like even the most common names. Not really the most common, but you know, things that you would think are pretty common. I, I can mispronounce them sometimes, so I apologize if I mispronounced it. But I'm, ju I'm just going to say R Rashida, because that, that one I know for a fact I'm pronouncing correctly. They censored Rashida in the House of Representatives simply for being a Palestinian-American, being the only Palestinian-American in the U.S. House of Representatives, simply for that and for expressing that, oh yeah, the millions of people who live on the Gaza Strip and in Palestine are human beings too. And they're not all terrorists. They're not all members of Hamas. Just for saying that, 
and calling for peace, she was censured by the bigoted extremist Republican majority. And even a few Democrats, which I find disgusting, their reasons mostly consisting of the fact that, you know, oh, she's promoting anti-Semitism. Here's the thing. Anti-Semitism is not what they're, that, that's not what's happening. They're, they're, I'm not going to say there is no anti-Semitism, but in regards to what Rashida is trying to do and what a lot of people in our government are trying to do when calling for a ceasefire is not anti-Semitic. They use, and I'm, I'm not saying anti-Semitism is fake. It is absolutely real. It is a real thing, and it's been going on for a very long time. But here's the thing. Anti-Semitism does not equal calling for a ceasefire to stop people on both sides from being murdered in bomb strikes, in shootings, in actual tragedies being committed not only by Hamas, but by the IDF. I posted not long ago that the IDF are just as much of a terrorist organization as Hamas is. If you look at the statistics, the IDF have killed more civilians than Hamas have. The IDF, and if you don't know what the IDF is, is Israeli Defense Forces, which is their army, their their military. The IDF have killed more civilians than Hamas have. Most of those civilians killed by the IDF are children. Most of them are children. There should there there is no excuse for killing innocent children and innocent civilians in general, wiping out entire bloodlines, entire families just because there is a, a, a terrorist organization in the general vicinity of Gaza. Just because of that That does not warrant dropping white phosphorus bombs on a civilian area. That does not warrant that. What that warrants is, oh yeah, sure, you know, it is a terrorist organization. Okay, I'm not denying that Hamas is a bad organization because Hamas is bad. But at the same time, the IDF are bad too. The IDF are heavily corrupted by a far-right extremist government in Israel which is sickening. We need to eradicate Hamas. Absolutely. You know, Hamas should not exist. They have committed tragedies. But at the same time, the IDF, more specifically under the far right Israeli government, have committed even more tragedies. And I'm not saying that just so that it sounds, you know, like, oh, Israel is, is bad, you know. I'm not saying that because of that. I'm saying that because I've seen the statistics. I've seen the facts that are unbiased. I have not looked at the ones that the IDF have put out because those, obviously, are biased sources. I have looked at unbiased, unfiltered statistics on this. The IDF and the entirety of, like, Israeli forces have killed more civilians within Gaza than Hamas have anywhere in Israel. It is disgusting and it is despicable what the IDF have done and what Hamas have done. 
We need to put an end to war. We need to call for a ceasefire. Calling for a simple ceasefire so that we can make sure that people stop dying, innocent people on the streets of these places who are just trying to live their lives knowing that they are safe. That's the only thing that they want is to coexist and to know that they are safe walking around the streets of their city, whether it be Jerusalem or Gaza, whether it be Tel Aviv or in the West Bank. Regardless of if they are Israeli or if they are Palestinian, regardless of anything, they need, or will not need, more specific, well, they need, but also they are entitled to make, sh- to, to, the, to their own security. They should be allowed to know and to actually be secure and safe. There is no reason for the IDF to send white phosphorus bombs into Gaza. There is no reason, in addition, for Hamas to attack Israel. Simply put, no one has to die. Innocent civilians do not have to die. If Israel was really dead set on just eradicating Hamas and Hamas only, they would be launching ground offensives. They would be launching ground offensives. They claim to know where Hamas is. But if they really know where Hamas is, why don't they just launch ground offensives? Why don't they just launch ground attacks that don't involve deadly, catastrophic explosives? Why don't they do that? And the reality of the situation is, and this is from the outside looking in, is that they really don't know where Hamas is. They don't. How would they know where Hamas is in the first place? Ask yourself that question. They, in my opinion, this is what I think is the reality of Israel's situation. They don't know where Hamas is. So instead, they're just winging it and just bombing random places in Gaza so that they can get support from right-wing extremist citizens that live in Israel who most likely support getting rid of Palestine as a whole. The Zionists, I believe, I believe it's Zionism that specifically believes that Palestine needs to be eradicated and Palestinians need to be eradicated. That is genocide. That is not Zionism or whatever you want to call it. It is genocide. Let's call it what it is. I think we're all mature enough to realize that we can't just sugarcoat things. We need to speak the hard truth and we need to speak the hard facts. And the hard truth and the hard fact of this situation is that this is genocide. This is genocide of innocent civilians at this point. They claim to know where Hamas is and where they're basing, where where their base of operations are. They claim to know where all this stuff is. So why aren't they launching ground offensives? If they really mean what they want to do, if they really mean what they're saying they want to do, then why are they killing innocent civilians still if if they apparently know where Hamas is? It makes no sense. You know, that innocent 10-year-old Palestinian child that's just trying to find his parents who have been missing since a bomb hit near their neighborhood is not a part of Hamas. That is an outrageous claim. A 10-year-old, there's no way a 10-year-old 
is a member of Hamas. Like, come on. They're not recruiting five-year-olds. They're not recruiting little children. But yet, they try to excuse the deaths of these children. And I find that despicable. I find it absolutely horrifying and disgusting. And it needs to be put to an end. There must be an immediate ceasefire... And we must be able to deliver humanitarian aid, well, more specific, much-needed humanitarian aid to Palestine, specifically within the Gaza Strip and Gaza City. We also need to get the UN to realize that Palestine is a country, and we need to recognize, not only the UN, but also our government, needs to recognize Palestine's sovereignty as a country, not just as a state or a region, as a country. And we need to offer a, we need, well not offer, we need to enforce a two-state solution where Israelis and Palestinians can coexist, where they can both coexist without worrying about their safety. There should not be a need to feel scared. But when I was watching the third Republican debate last night on NBC, I believe it was NBC. I'm, I'm going with NBC. We're going to go with NBC. It sounds right. Um, last, last night when I was watching that Republican debate, I almost threw up after I heard the things they were saying in relation to it. I mean, they made good talking points where it's like, okay, Israeli citizens shouldn't have to die. And I mean, you're, you're right about that. The citizens of Israel do not deserve to die. But they did not once mention Palestinian citizens. They only, they only mentioned Israeli citizens. They did not mention Palestinian citizens. And that is intentional. They want to support, they want to support Israel so that they can claim that they are against anti-Semitism, that they're, you know, not racist. You know, they, they want to they use this as a power play so that they can try to win their upcoming elections. 2023, we saw that didn't work out that well for them. You know, Democrats took a bunch of the places. You know, unfortunately, we lost Mississippi. But still, we took a bunch of other places. We won re-election in Kentucky. We won a ton of other elections. And the Green Party also won a few elections across the country. The point is that we're tired of knowing that we will inevitably fund the genocide of Palestinian citizens with our tax dollars, which means we are inactively, involuntarily paying for murder, mass murder, genocide all the way across the planet, on the other side of the planet. It's insane that our government is trying to support Israel. It's insane. And then there's the people that try to claim that, you know, oh, you're a part of LGBTQ. Why are you supporting a a group that, you know, is anti-LGBTQ? I don't support Hamas, but I don't support the IDF or the Israeli government either. I support the citizens of not only Palestine, but also the citizens of Israel who simply just want a ceasefire, who want the devastation 
and the war to end, and who simply just want to coexist in peace without the threat of being hit with a bomb or killed by a soldier. That should not be a problem. And a lot of people know for a fact that I'm not just bringing this up now because, you know, the, the, the war that has suddenly escalated since October. You know, I've been talking about the issue of, of Palestine since I've pretty, pretty much since I've started my campaign for governor, which was back this during the summer. Actually, I believe it was in August. I started talking about Palestine and how it needs to be freed. Um, and and that, that's the thing. I am unapologetic in the fact that I think that a country should be labeled as a country and that they should both not be firing rockets at each other. I think that's just common sense, personally. You know, I think that's what everyone should want. You know, not a bunch of death and destruction, but instead actual solutions. I feel that realistically, in terms of age, Biden, the leaders of Palestine and Israel, and a lot of the people in the UN for that matter, are more than mature enough to use their words and not their weapons and their money and their budget they can use their words. They are more than mature enough to know how to use their words. But why aren't they? We should be using words, not bombs. We should be talking things out, not devastating entire neighborhoods with white phosphorus bombs. We should be coming up with peaceful resolutions that end with coexisting and a two-state solution. Not brutalizing Palestinian civilians just because they're walking around in what is Gaza, what is their land. The little bit of land that you have not yet stolen from them. I think that it's ridiculous. The entire situation is absurd and it needs to be put to an end. There needs to be an immediate ceasefire and there needs to be immediate usage of diplomacy, a two-state solution... And on top of that, we must recognize Palestine as a country. The United States does not recognize Palestine as a country. We should. There is no reason that we shouldn't. And I think that Palestine should be recognized as a country. So yeah, um, <laughs> this episode was pretty much entirely about, you know, Palestine and how it tied into the Republican debates. Um, I'm hoping to get another episode out later, most likely this afternoon, maybe a bit before this afternoon. Um, So yeah, but um, I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.